well, well, well. <laughs> That's a look, new one. <laughs> look who came back for another episode. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> I, that threw me off. <laughs> you didn't. And you didn't know it was coming. I didn't. Well, I well, well. Look who came back for more punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. welcome back to another episode of Kitchen Table Convos. My name is Tito. I'm Amanda. And. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, 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 here we are. I don't know. I wanted to change it up a little bit. You did. That came out of nowhere. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So this episode is is a part two, mm-hmm. and it's a continuation from the previous episode. Part one was called The Nervous Nellies, and... Best title ever. I like that title a lot. And it we basically discussed our tendency to be anxious. Mm-hmm. And possible potential sources where that may come from. So we told yeah. we we told some childhood stories about different things that kind of messed us up <laughs> as we grew older, yes. and it affected the way we view the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're fun stories, but it it could have been potential reasons why yeah. we are such yeah. anxious types. Just us hypothesizing, right? Yeah, and there's there's. We Probably a bit of a reach, but... Right, yeah. You can't pinpoint it to one specific instance. Yeah. So it could have been. Um, but the the idea that we ended with was over the course of the years of our life, of our marriage, just experience and growing up in general, mm-hmm. despite that fear and anxiousness, mm-hmm. we've somehow learned how to manage all that stress with each other. Yeah. And... For some reason, whenever it's game time, mm-hmm. we happen to show up. Yeah, yeah. And Go ahead. I, I don't. I just don't. I don't know if that's like. If, if that's just from experience. Yeah. Or or it's just we handle pressure well. Yeah, I don't know. I think possibly experience, possibly just the. I don't know if it's stubbornness at the end of the day, of yeah. like drive i don't know yeah there's a lot of factors in it but um i'm very proud of both of us in that despite like the fears and all that stuff we Mm -hmm. still happen to move forward yeah we find a way to function in it and right get through it yeah so this episode we're titling afraid but brave Mm. and you know what we're over 20 episodes in now i think Mm -hmm. this is 21 uh-huh. Episode twenty one. Uh-huh. I have not plugged my music. <laughs> oh no! That's that's pretty incredible. That yeah, you're right. Actually, you don't. I don't sell my music to you, you and be like, listen to my songs on Spotify. <laughs> I'm not like this podcast is not a means to promote my music to you. Yeah, it is a means to have a conversation with my wife and also have people listen to us ramble about random, whatever's <laughs> random things on our mind. Yeah, but I thought this. This title was fitting because I, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of the album that I put out called Defanon. It's a made-up word. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a real word, though. Yeah. It sounds legit. You know who, where that came from? I, I think it was something with you, Robbie, and John. Yeah, I think John Kerbitz. But I don't Shout remember out to the John story. John Kerbitz, of, like, if you're listening to this, I believe you're the one that thought of the word Defanon. It was a word that was made up back in high school. I was going to say, what's the origin And story? somehow recycled, I don't know, he made up words. <laughs> <laughs> he just made up words. It's like go time. Like, it's yeah. Like, the ball is about <coughs> to drop. Like, somebody's going to push the button. Defanon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, probably like, what's that phrase? Defcon 40? Is that a phrase? Defcon something. Some, Some kind of number. Yeah. Yeah. So... I released this EP project album, I don't know, probably an EP, Mm -hmm. called Defanon. Mm -hmm. And it was written the year before we moved to Grand Rapids. Okay. And it was released like a month or two before we actually made the move. Yeah. And the the whole feeling of this album was this kind of like, almost like go time. Mm -hmm. Like it's time to go. Mm -hmm. It's time to be brave. Yeah. And... The very first intro track, it's not really a song. It's more of like an interlude, like an intro Mm -hmm. 30-second ditty. Yeah. um, Was called I'm Afraid, But I Am Brave. Okay. And it's just a really short 
kind of intro. Mm-hmm. And then the very last song of the album was is it's also not a song. It's just an outro. Mm-hmm. It's the song played in reverse. Oh, legitimately. It's in legitimately reverse. just played in reverse, so it sounds like mumbo jumbo. It's like okay. But the title of that uh-huh. outro is "I am brave, but I'm afraid." So, in the midst of our journey of, like, moving to Grand Rapids, making this big move, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes through this cycle of just, the cycle of fear and bravery. Yeah. And I just thought it was really fitting for this episode because, you know, the point of this episode is to talk about certain instances in our life where we feel like we showed bravery Mm -hmm. in the midst of the fear yeah but the reality is like if we're being honest like the goal is not to to gas ourselves up and make ourselves be the types to be like oh yeah we're always the ones to take leaps and right be super brave like because definitely not if anything we're typically the opposite we're the opposite yeah right but I can understand where if if you're hearing something like this and you hear stories of people being brave, yeah, you assume or you you might think that them as a whole is like this brave person, right? And it's just not it's just not the case, right? Hel- helicopter, <laughs> something's flying overhead. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, definitely not. I would say like you know we have a couple like big stories that are like great examples of this whole theme that we're talking about, but. I would say in our general everyday life, like we tend to err on the side of like caution. <laughs> yeah. I would say for yeah. majority of the time, yeah. we're actually not brave. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest with myself, I'm not really that brave. Yeah. I'm glad that I have these things that I can tell stories about of moments that I was brave. Mm-hmm. But like... Or it, every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. On a daily yeah. basis, like, I mean, for example... Right now, I still work a corporate job. Mm-hmm. And my braver self, if I was to think about the ultimate bravery, mm-hmm. would to be to just completely jump ship, leave that job, yeah. and do something creative or something. Yeah. But <clears throat> just in our situation right now, it's not a leap that I can make right now. Yeah. It's one that we're working towards. Right. But, and I can go ahead and be like, oh, you're, you're a fake Mm-hmm. Like, you're not actually a brave person. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that fear and bravery just lives with each other. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really have one without the other. Right. And and for someone to put themselves out there to, to make you believe that all they are is just bravery. They're lying. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of inspiring people who might be just like, no fear yeah and there's people like that yeah but i would i would imagine a lot of people that i feel like we connect with yeah i like seeing both and i like Mm -hmm. i like that there's successful people or just people that we really respect that live with both yeah 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 and i would i mean i would imagine that if (coughs) if people were willing to be vulnerable and open like they would admit that you know everybody has moments where they're afraid they're going to fail or, you know, they were afraid to take that leap. Like, I feel like yeah, that would be the vast majority of people and that for most people, there was a period of buildup right. to when they were finally willing to take that leap. Like, most people don't just wake up, get hit with an idea and, and just go for it, jump off the deep end. Like, I'm sure there are those individuals out there, definitely, right. but Not us. I would imagine <laughs> we, we take a lot of buildup to get to our <coughs> moment of bravery where we right. take the leap yeah but that's okay like we we like the slow build (laughs) yeah and that's what this episode is going to be about it's going to be about celebrating those little moments where we finally said oh my gosh i was brave yeah this time yeah (laughs) this time around i did it yeah yeah and i feel like we tend to be that when it matters most (laughs) yeah yeah so please um you know take this episode in as a a celebration of our small wins yeah but with the understanding that it's not about always being this brave person and just fearlessness yeah. Yeah. to it it i think 
you have to you have to live with both of it. Yeah. Th- that's the goal that we're trying to do. Yeah. So it's all about the yeah. Balance. So I think we're just gonna share one story each mm-hmm. about a moment in our life mm-hmm. where we felt like we were super scared, mm-hmm. but even though we were like deathly afraid of it, mm-hmm. we kind of faced it. Yeah, we conquered it a little bit and made yeah. decisions in spite of that fear. Yeah, because. One thing I'm thinking of for you is just like this amazing news. (laughs) Mendoza, incoming incoming news. We got some good news, guys. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, I I am so excited about this news. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just building up anticipation. Yeah. It's fitting news because the news came... Not just at the beginning of a new year, but at the beginning of a new decade. So it's kind of funny because it's really making me wonder how this sets the tone right. for the decade of 2020. Yeah. So Amanda heard news in the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. probably like a week ago now. It's been a, <clears throat> a little over a week, maybe two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Do you want, it's new. I think you should break the news. How, how do you want to break it to our little world? <laughs> Because um, it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. No, we're not pregnant. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. To anybody who was wishing that was the buildup. Yeah. We would. Um, so we told this news, right, that I'm still holding on to. So you can keep going. What is it? Uh-huh. But we told the news to our parents, obviously, because they're yeah. our parents. And like the first thing we were saying was like, okay, so we have some news. Mm-hmm. And you know immediately yeah. what there they're was, thinking. There was a. <gasps> moment and you're like no nope (laughs) not that (laughs) not that one yeah um because they had no idea that this news was in the works we kept it a secret don't really know why i think it was more so i i and we just didn't want the added pressure yeah why are you being so cryptic about Um, it just come out with it already so, (laughs) so the news yeah the news is is that i did get accepted to grand valley's pa program Woo! <laughs> Claps, everybody. Yeah. So you formally got accepted. Formally, officially. To PA school. I think. The mountain <laughs> The mountain that you were, your goal was to climb. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Does it feel real? No. Does not feel real. Yeah. It. I still feel like it might be like a cosmic joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> that I'm going to get like an email or something <coughs> from Grand Valley saying, oh, just kidding. We made a mm-hmm. mistake. This offer letter was actually supposed to go to somewhere else. Like there's a part of my brain that is like prepared for that for some odd reason. What? That like the whole thing was a joke or a mistake. Oh, that's your nervous Nelly. Yeah, the, 100%. That is my... I you don't would. quite believe it. <laughs> you get accepted. You have a formal letter. Yeah. And you're checking to see if it like, maybe yeah. it was a mistake. Yeah. I have to go back, not regularly, but <coughs> I go back often and reread it. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I read this right, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't misread this. But like, I keep getting like correspondence from Grand Valley about like, oh, in the fall, like this is going to be your student ID number. Mm-hmm. This is your login. So I'm like, I know it's real, but yeah. I'm just like... There's a part of me that's like, am I missing something? Yeah. Like, are but, we sure? Are we sure? I mean, it's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and for people who might not know what's going on, mm-hmm. we've talked about this yeah. here and there. Yeah, a little bit. Forever, for the longest time now, Amanda has been on this journey to apply to PA school. Mm-hmm. And there was years off here and there, yeah. different programs. Um, and this specific program in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. it was kind of a Hail Mary. 100%. Yeah. Do you want to talk about kind of the odds of getting in and just like when you applied yeah. to it, you knew that it was a competitive program? Yeah. I mean, in general, PA school is extremely difficult to get into. Like a lot of um, a lot of grad programs that are in the healthcare field are in mm-hmm. general, they're just getting more and more competitive. I mean, the demand is so high right now for people to work in healthcare, but so many people are trying to get in. Yeah. That, um, 
you know, I, I've never looked into this myself, but like I've heard right now that especially like PA schools are harder to get into than med schools. Wow. Because the profession is appealing to a lot of people. It's And just to educate, PA stands for... It's a physician assistant. So basically anybody who is interested in being a doctor and going to medical school, but doesn't want the four-year commitment of med school and residency and all that kind of stuff afterwards, PA school is very attractive because it's shorter. Mm -hmm. It's essentially med school boiled down to two years. Um, and then, I mean, you still have a lot, a lot of liability. You still have, you know, a lot of pressure and responsibility on you. But you don't have your own practice. You can't practice independently. You have to practice under the license of a physician. They Mm -hmm. have to sign off on your notes at the end of the day. But you do have a decent amount of autonomous, (coughs) like an autonomous sense within your profession. But Mm -hmm. there is like a, there will always be like a level above you i right. have briefly heard that they're fighting for more autonomy in pa mm-hmm. um so that could be something that comes in the future but um yeah it's it's an extremely competitive thing to get into like um so i <laughs> yeah brag about I did it not, i did not play the odds to be in my favor at all um most people who decide to apply to pa schools apply to many Right. Um, on average, people are probably applying to five to ten programs, if not more, to try to increase yeah. your odds. I chose to apply to one. <laughs> you just... know that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's what we did here. Um, I was like, you know, I feel like if I'm going to go to PA school, it makes sense for Grand Valley to be it because we just moved to Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and... We're just getting settled in, and the school is literally 15 minutes down the road from yeah. us. And not only is it so close, it's also situated inside of Grand Rapids, like huge medical district. It's right there. So mm-hmm. it just made sense. It was if this is going to happen now, this is where it logically makes sense. So sure. we're going to throw that Hail Mary and we're going to apply just to Grand Valley this year because. You know, another part of it is it's extremely expensive to apply to grad school. Yeah. You know, just for the one application I decided to throw out there, I think it was over $300 to apply to one school. Yeah. If you're doing that five, ten times. Yeah. Like it's it's, just to apply. It gets insanely expensive just to see, just to throw an application out there. So, um, so yeah, so that already, I kind of put myself at a disadvantage of, you know, I understand most people apply to multiple schools, but. I'm going to pick yeah. one. <laughs> and, and you being the over planner, mm-hmm. having a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, mm-hmm. your plan A of PA school, that was like, that's like the dream, right? That's like yeah. the goal. Yeah. And even though you had that in play, mm-hmm. you will, you were also ready for the scenario that that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, like... Because I knew the odds, it was, well, if this doesn't work, you know, mm-hmm. what other programs, what other jobs, what other careers are out there? Because on top of, I chose to only apply to one school, you know, I'm also in the back of my head always thinking about, you know, out of the one school I'm going to apply to, I understand that well over 400 other people are also going yeah, to Yeah, okay, let's do a little uh, statistics here <laughs> and a little bit of bragging. Because you deserve it. Because you you did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many people would you say apply per year? I think we've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. how many per year at in that specific school? Yeah. Would you say apply? <clears throat> I know it's over four hundred. So over um, four hundred. Okay. Like four twenty four four thirty. I I don't know. Eventually, Grand Valley will release the official numbers of how many total applicants they had, but it's well over four hundred. Okay. And then um, out of that 400, whatever. Out of 400, they interview approximately 100 people. 100. So even that's, to get an interview, that's already, like that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So, you know, You're when, already at the 25. Yeah. When percent. I found out I, I at least got an interview, I was like, wow, like if this is as far as this process goes, you know, I can at least be proud of that. I can be proud of the fact that, you know, I beat out over 300 people. Like right. that alone is... Something it's a little bit of a boost. Of. Yeah, it's not yeah. what you wanted, but at least if it was, 
if it wasn't going to continue further. Right. Like you had some shot. Yeah, it was like, at Mm. least I made it that far. At least I made it farther than the vast majority. Right. So out of, um, yeah, so out of 100 people, you know, I got an interview. um, And then the thing that just made the whole thing crazier was they, um, Grand Valley sent out their initial decisions (coughs) the day before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I did not get in. I was not one of, they accept 36 people, Mm. 36 out of the so out of, that they, out of the hundred whatever mm-hmm. that get interviewed, thirty six made it to the final cut. Thirty six were given mm-hmm. an official like letter of acceptance yeah. if they chose to accept or not. Right. Um, I was told I was placed on the wait list. Right. So for me, in a lot of ways, I thought that was it. Like, mm-hmm. the wait list is basically this never ending purgatory of yeah. once you're sent there, the chances of you getting off are so small. Yeah. Because, I mean, they don't tell you how many people they waitlist, but realistically, at least 20 people. And out of those 20, you know, how many are actually going to get a seat? Maybe five? Like, not many. You know what's so funny is that, mm-hmm. like, when you heard the news of you got into the waitlist, yeah. you and I thought completely different things. Yeah. You were... You were of the mindset of just like, okay, time to move on. Yeah, I was Try done. Try to find the I next like, thing. Okay, and good I, effort. I, I, <laughs> move, moving on. And I was like, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> like yeah. I didn't, in in my head, mm-hmm. it was like, well, they didn't say no yet. Yeah, I, and to I was, me it was, it might as well be a no. Right. It was, this is, in, this is their way of indirectly telling me, you're good. Did you but take it personally good. or? No. Okay. No. I mean, it's, it's disappointing, sure. like definitely because, you know, you're thinking, what else could I have done? Like mm-hmm. I couldn't have done anything differently. I felt so, so about my interview. Like my interview could have been better. It also could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe I could have improved there. Um, so, you know, of course you go to that place of thinking, well, you know, why wasn't I good enough? Like I, I threw it all out there. I got the grades. I had the letters of recommendation. I literally checked all the boxes. Like I knew I couldn't have done anything better. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I guess it's just not meant to be. Like let's yeah. let's move on. move on. Like we're closing it out. I tried. Right. I can always say at least now I know. Yeah. Um. I, I think this is why I like the way we work together mm-hmm. because we both didn't go immediately to this place of it's done it's over mm-hmm. let's go because the the reality is you were put on the wait list yeah who knows if you're next in line right you and... didn't know and i was i i'm only saying this because i know that if the situation was flipped i'd be mm-hmm. the same as you of just like this is over i need to just move on right that's just how our personalities yeah. are but what was good was that um you were kind of in that place of okay I tried. I did mm-hmm. my best. I'm going to move on. Yeah. I was open to the idea that you were going to think of the alternatives, mm-hmm. but I was still holding on hope. Yeah, you definitely <clears throat> were, which to me was a little irritating because I was like, why do you still think this is going to work? Because it wasn't done yet. It wasn't done yet in my head. I don't like, I don't know. It's like a game. It's like a competitive game in me mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, it's not over yet. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. to me, I was I was willing. It's, it's kind of like it. yesterday we were playing Monopoly Junior. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I almost made Amanda mad because like I lost. I technically lost. If in by the rule books lost. I lost. Yes. But I kept, I wanted to keep the game going. Yeah. Because I was just like, well, it's not technically over yet, you know, like something yeah. annoying like that. <laughs> but that's how it was kind of like it's not over yet. It's like it's not over until they give you that letter mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, but I also knew being on the wait list that I was never actually going to get formally rejected because because of the way it works is um, like classes won't start until August. And then that first week of August, kids have the option <coughs> of dropping out. And within that first week, they can contact people on the wait list and say, hey, we have a spot available. Can you come in? And once that first week of classes closes out, if you weren't contacted, you just kind of know, well, okay, I guess this is essentially my official right. rejection, but you never get that closure. Yeah. It just comes with like the timeline essentially. Yeah. So I was basically 
giving myself that closure of the chances are so small yeah. at this point of getting in that I just need to move on. Because like in your head, you've already did the math of like the 400 plus mm. going down to 100, reducing down to 36. Yeah. In your mind, is it a fear thing that was just like, I'm, there's no way I'm a part of that 36 or even that 37, I mean, 38, 39, 40? Like, I'm not usually somebody who makes decisions based on probability. Like, my brain doesn't really tend to think that way. Mm. But in this instance, I just knew the chances were so small that to me, there was no point in waiting. It mm. was, this is so unlikely right now that. I just need to be able to move on because if I hold on and then kind of get rejected then again, like I just didn't want to hold on to such a, a thin like thread of hope. Right. Like there wasn't a point to me. Yeah. Because I know people who are in that position who are on wait lists and they're not getting, they're not getting in. Right. There's people that, and that's, that probably contributed to a little bit of the doubt. 100% because... Because you have people who, who you work with like yeah. right now yeah, in who, real time. Who are on wait lists for PA school and they're not getting in. Right. And so for me, I'm like, well, why am I any different? Like why mm-hmm. why would I get in in January? <laughs> Which right. that alone is insane because also just knowing the patterns of people who get in, they get in at the last minute. Yeah. They're getting that phone call once classes have started and it's friday and they're like hey you need to be in class on monday that's the vast majority of people who get in that's how it happens right so like i'm probably was the first person on the wait list who you were like right on that line you think yeah because it's the only thing that makes sense that somebody who got an offer from grand valley in that first wave Mm -hmm. probably said, nope, I don't want the seat because I had another school offer that I want. Yeah. So they automatically took themselves off the list and they re- and so Grand Valley reached out to me in January. Hey, FYI, like, uh, whoever that person is. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? What do yeah. you like? Do you like a whiskey sour or like a gin and tonic? <laughs> what, a glass of wine? Yeah. You so, deserve a drink from me. Right. Like I, <laughs> I'll get you a gift of whatever you want. Yeah. Let's like, be friends. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's I mean, mind boggling if you do want to think about percentages. I mean, 36 people out of probably 400 and, I don't know, 420, something mm-hmm. like that. Let's just throw that number out there because it's yeah. usually a little over 400. I mean, what are the, what is that? Like an 8% chance applying to one school, 36 out of 400 and something kids. Like That's incredible to me. I mean, that's, I, that's, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's and, what that's why I love you so much is because And my chances were even smaller than that because I wasn't <clears throat> initially in that thirty six right. group. I was in a different group on a wait list. So I mean my chances of getting in were yeah. probably like six. Yeah. Like I probably had a six percent chance of this working. Yeah. And uh, somehow it did. I love this situation so much because the fact that you got in. Like mm-hmm. you were accepted to the PA program. What's your yeah. your class of twenty twenty two? Oh my gosh! Look at that. Like that's real. Yeah. Right? Like there's a date that I will be done. Yeah. I will be done in December of twenty twenty two. Yeah, and we can celebrate it. Yeah. And it's it's even more like sweet because this whole journey, mm-hmm. I knew like the fear that would cripple you. Yeah. All the way up till even today. Mm-hmm. That like you still think that it's not real. Yeah, like, I still you st- think it's a joke. <laughs> you still think you're gonna get that email like that guy that you offered a gin and tonic to. He actually wants his spot back. Yeah, like that's not gonna happen. But right. in your head, you're like, <gasps> in my head, it's going to. Yeah, okay. yeah. I really like where this conversation is going. So mm-hmm. I think uh-huh. we continue on with this path. Okay. And then we make a part three with my story. Oh. Because I think I still have like. There's still some things we could talk about because I I like where this is going. I think it's really important to celebrate you because (laughs) you don't like celebrating it. It doesn't have to be all about me. No, I I think it's... talk about you too. uh, We will on the next episode. (laughs) Watch out for the next episode. It's going to be all about me. As if I need to talk anymore. I I feel like I overtake the conversation sometimes. I don't think so, but... Yeah. So celebrating this, right? 
Yeah. This <clears throat> journey of just getting to PA school, mm-hmm. you you might not have even realized it, but goes all the way back to when you graduated high school. Yeah. Does that I mean, like does that do you think about how long it's taken? I mean, honestly, it probably goes back even further than that to like being a little kid and like I think there was a part of me that always kind of wanted to be a doctor but never really thought it was possible Mm -hmm. because I've always had a curiosity about medicine Mm -hmm. but I think I was always kind of convinced that that wasn't for me or that wasn't possible (coughs) just given you know the socioeconomic status of my family as a kid and just like Mm -hmm. it's not feasible because you know I didn't even think it was going to be possible for me to finish my undergrad just because of money and in a way having to overcome this mindset of well people like me aren't don't get the chance to do this Mm -hmm. as a kid how how, like is was that your first occupation dream no i think the first i wanted to be a bunch of stuff when i was a kid i think tell me some (laughs) I i think the original one was i wanted to be a teacher okay which i still have interest in that like i feel like one day i'll end up maybe teaching at a yeah. PA program now because yeah. I'll be qualified to do that, I guess. Mine was like, um, I wanted to be an architect. Yeah, you told me that. And then yeah. I think, I don't know if Probably every Probably an kid, astronaut as well. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't know if every kid wants to do this at some point, but like I found astronomy in the third grade yes. so interesting because they take you to the planetarium and you get introduced to that kind of stuff. So I would always draw the solar system. Yeah, like I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Um I wanted to be a marine biologist at one point in time, which actually totally makes sense for me I because I that. love animals and yeah. all of that kind of thing. So yeah. those were a couple. So a teacher, an astronomer, but doctor biologist. was up there. Yeah, and I think like it kind of makes sense that those interests kind of got sparked in me because as a kid, like my grandmother was always sick and in and out of hospitals, and she suffered a series of strokes and TIAs early on in my childhood, and I. It's basically a smaller version of a stroke. Okay. Um, and I, you know, just being curious, I wanted to know what was happening with her. And <laughs> I, I remember in the sixth grade, I was <coughs> such a little nerd. Like my dad had this EMT book. Okay. He was an EMT briefly. Um, and he had this book that you know he studied from and whatnot and. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, our teacher um, made us do this project where we had to do a research report on any topic we wanted to. Mm -hmm. And my two ideas, (laughs) I was going to do one of two things, vastly different. One of them was uh, Michigan football, like U of M. Okay. (laughs) Because I was a big Michigan fan. Mm -hmm. It was either going to be Michigan football or I wanted to learn about strokes. It was going to be one of the two. How old were you? This was... In sixth grade. That's awesome. And my best friend at the time, she was also a big Michigan fan, so she wanted to do it. So I was like, okay, like you do that one, and I'm going to learn about what a stroke is. That's so funny, because I kind of remember the science fair, Mm -hmm. and like the kids' topics for their science fair project would be Mm -hmm. like, how far can this quarterback throw? Yeah. Or... Can Spider-Man really create webs out of his wrist? You know, like something (laughs) like just childish like that. And you're just like, what was it? It was either going to be Michigan football or Uh I'm going to learn about what a stroke is. And you did the stroke? Yeah, because my best friend wanted to do football. So I was like, all right, well, I'm... I guess I got to do strokes. (laughs) This is what I'm going to do then. And so in my little 12-year-old brain, you know, I was learning about what happens to your brain when you have a stroke. And I typed up this paper about it and made this big poster board and I made a little like clay mold of a brain. So, wow. mm -hmm. So that kind of led to this idea that you would want to do something medical. Yeah, like I found it so interesting, but I just thought like that was too far above me to ever be able Mm -hmm. to get there. So what did you... there were so many obstacles in the way that it just... Right. Didn't so seem the obstacles got in your way as far as like mentally thinking mm-hmm. that it was possible. Yeah. What was your alternative then? Like what was the program um, that you jumped on? Like when I first started school, I started as like a health science. Like when I started my first go around with school, I started just a generalized health science degree because I didn't really know mm-hmm. because 
the medical field is so broad. So I had interests in doing physical therapy, but that was also a doctorate level program. So I was like, well, how am I ever going to afford to get there? Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing with med school. Just this so, ongoing cycle of you start a program, yeah, but never know really how to finish it. Right, because it just felt impossible. Okay. It felt like, you know, I, I felt limited to, well, whatever I, whatever program was interesting to me needed to be close to home so I could live at home because there was no way, you know, I could afford to go far away to school because, you know, tuition is expensive and then how am I going to afford to live on campus? So mm-hmm. there was always this checklist of- checklist that just didn't seem feasible. So then I was like, well, I need to find a bachelor's degree that I could do something with and get a job with. So maybe nursing, but I always knew I never wanted to be a nurse. So then I briefly, at this point in time, had been in school for several years and just kind of like dabbling around in different things. And at that point, I left U of M to pursue an associate's degree as a physical therapy assistant. Yep. Because then I was like, well, at least I know like that gets me into the medical field. It's an associate's degree. Like I can make okay money. Like I'm making money. I'm doing something. So let me do that. But um, other things were going on at that point in time. Um, but I did get myself into the program. Yeah. So I got into the program, but honestly was kind of bored with it. Um, just lost interest pretty quickly. Um, we had also gotten engaged at that point in time. I was also, or wait, no, 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 we weren't engaged yet. We were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at that point in time. Yeah. So became obsessed with nutrition. Yeah. Thought I was going to go back to school to be a dietitian. So I was taking nutrition classes. That's when we had gotten engaged. Yep. Moved to Florida, put everything on hold because of in-state, out-of-state tuition. Right. Started working. So I was like, well, I'm making okay money working at this job. But a couple of years in, started to lose my freaking mind at the, job. <laughs> at the job. And just, I think I was around 26 at the time and walls started crashing down. And yeah. I was like, I have to do something. I can't just work at this job and be happy. That's like, a I scary can't. part about life. <clears throat> I guess when you're in your early 20s, mm-hmm. the 20s was is a really interesting time in, in someone's life because it's... You're trying to figure out who you want to become. Yeah. But time does not wait for you. Yeah. And it's... And it's, it's scary because it, it feels like everybody is getting their things figured out. Yeah. But you're the only one that yeah. doesn't. But just, everybody's feeling the same thing. Right. That's the reality is right. everybody's feeling like... I'm the only one that mm-hmm. can't get it together. Yeah. And I just felt stuck between, you know, do I continue to work? And, you know, I'm working at a job that like I don't particularly like, but, you know, we're making okay money and like we're comfortable. So like that seems like a smart thing to do versus <coughs> going back to school and taking out more student loans and still not really knowing what I want to do, mm-hmm. but also knowing that I'm going insane because... I'm so limited with what I can do and with what I'm allowed to do. And, you know, I get fulfillment from certain aspects of my job. But but not all of it. Those elements keep getting taken away because they need me in this area as more of like, they just need extra hands and I'm not using my brain and I'm just not fulfilled. So So I guess let me ask you this whole time. I mean, this was probably a period of how many years? I mean, from when I, st- I started school at 19 to I'm now 26, still not having it figured out. So. Okay. So for that long, yeah, you did this kind of jumping around degrees mm-hmm. from physical therapy to nutrition to mm-hmm. to taking off of taking time off of school and just working and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Did you ever feel like that voice in your head be like, oh, I should have been a doctor or I should have been a PA? Yeah. I mean, or did I- that come later? No, it was always in the back of my head because, I mean, I remember sometimes just sitting and crying because I was like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something more than this. Mm -hmm. But again, I just, I didn't know where to start. And at that point, you know, 26 felt so old. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I hadn't finished my undergrad yet. So 
you know, I knew that like, it was terrifying at that point in time to know that if I wanted to go back to school, I was going to be on like the older end of the spectrum. And yeah, so there's embarrassment that goes along with that too of, you know, I'm going to be that person who's 27 in a room full of 18 year olds who, you know, who seem to have gotten it together. Like, how did you figure out right. this young that you wanted to do this? Right. But the truth is they probably are just like, like they guessing. don't know. Right. They don't know either. And so, you know, it, became a point of having to swallow your pride to go back and yeah. to start over when you're a little bit older and Super, still terrified and not knowing what you're doing. It's and, actually scarier to make a move like that after. So you and I have been married a few years at that point. Yeah. And I remember your 26th birthday. We talked <laughs> about this on a previous episode. Yeah. You just, the world crumbled yeah, on, I mean, because I don't know, it's something about your birthday and it was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, what am I doing with my life? It was still adjusting to the fact that we were married and we were in Florida and yeah. just feeling lost. And You like, didn't know who you were. No, and I right. remember very clearly sitting in Starbucks, mm-hmm. listening to Damien Rice sing Cannonball in the background, yep. wanting to cry mm-hmm. and just having no idea what I was doing. Right. No idea. And feeling like I was never going to figure it out. Right. And so from there, it just became a series of small decisions that apparently led us here. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what's, I'm really thankful that it went that way Mm -hmm. for us because I think something about making a change in your life, Mm -hmm. you almost have to wake up from this like, like this hypnosis Mm -hmm. because you're going through the cycle of your life and then you're always just questioning what am i doing with my life what am Mm -hmm. i doing with my life what am i doing with my life Mm -hmm. whether it's your 26th birthday or or just something wakes you up Mm -hmm. out of that Mm -hmm. and you look at yourself from the outside going okay this is a cycle yeah how do i get out of it yeah and i think we both at the same time kind of realized that Mm -hmm. in this specific scenario like you're not happy right now yeah we could continue on this cycle of Mm -hmm. of just like grinding it out and seeing if it works Mm -hmm. or we could just try to do something different Mm -hmm. whatever that means we didn't know what that looked like at the time no but we knew something had to change right and i think if you can pinpoint that something needs to change, mm-hmm. that is a huge first step. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what we had to do. And at that point, like I said, I'd be, I had been working full time for, for several years mm-hmm. and we were comfortable in the routine of that. Mm-hmm. We were comfortable in knowing that, you know, we have paychecks coming in every yep. week and financially we're comfortable. It so do you make a decision? Yeah, right. You're at that point. I think a lot of people get there at to that point in their life where do you choose, you know, I'm comfortable, but I'm unhappy. Mm-hmm. Or do I become uncomfortable to start making decisions where I don't know where that's going to lead? And, you know, I have to walk away from my job. <coughs> and right. that's freaking terrifying. That's terrifying because... When you're living with two incomes, mm-hmm. you get used to certain you ways get of used living. to a certain and it's way not like we and... it's not like we were making crazy money. No, like we weren't balling out of control. Yeah, and we still had student loans. But you know, we could also do whatever we wanted to, and we didn't really have to think about money. You know, if if we wanted to travel, we could take a vacation. Yeah, if we wanted to go out to eat wherever, you yeah. know, we could do that and not right. really have to think about it. But if the decision of you going back to school, it meant that we really had to change our perspective in right. how we, okay. Just how we spend we're back our money. At, we're back at one income. Right. It's like, that's not that's not and easy to, tr- to transition to back to that. Initially, we didn't even make that big of a leap. It was yeah. this opportunity came up for me to leave my full-time job and do a part-time job. Mm-hmm. And even that was scary because we were like, can we do it on even that much of an income Mm -hmm. cut? But it just got to the point where like, you know, I was so unhappy that it was worth, let's take that first step and let's just let me work part time to start to figure it out. (laughs) Here's another thing. 
this is where you and I are really good. If you think about it mathematically, mm-hmm. if you start putting the numbers, plugging the numbers, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have worked. Right. It's and weird. And that's how I saw it. Right. And for me, I think about the numbers, mm-hmm. but the overall picture mm-hmm. is more important to me mm-hmm. that it's like, I'm almost naive. It, it, it's yeah. naive to a fault where like, <laughs> I could go down a really bad path <laughs> if I didn't. We're both pretty generally smart with finances Mm -hmm. and i'm not irresponsible with my spending Mm -hmm. so that's the reason why we were able to make it work yeah but i'm blindly optimistic yeah that like and i tend to be more realistic even i don't think this is gonna work right even if mathematically it wasn't gonna work in my head i'm just like well we gotta do this right so that's (laughs) where this this dance that you and i have Mm -hmm. work really well yeah because if we just go off of how like we mathematically did it, we would have never made we couldn't have. any chance. We wouldn't have taken any risk. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm just grateful that it worked out. <laughs> Not my fault. Yeah, you know, but it did. So so yeah. So I, you know, we took a step back. I decided to take a part time job. So we're like, okay, well, you know, we that was working for a while. So I tell me about that real quick. Mm-hmm. Like the decision to go. Your your brain was going. This isn't going to work financially. Yeah. What made you go for it? I was I was so unhappy. I I was on a path at my current job where I was miserable, mm-hmm. and I just knew something had to change because I just couldn't continue to be this unhappy on a daily basis. So that, that where was it was more, just worth it. That was more important than like yeah. the the risk of yeah. Because I guess something else I'm remembering is prior to this to try to fix the situation and for me to try to figure out what did what did I want to do and what could I do to make it better. I stayed at my full time job, but I was taking online classes mm-hmm. um, to try to do something to try to get an idea. And I was taking um, classes with the idea of continuing the path on like this nutrition. Yeah. Trajectory. So you had eggs in different baskets. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to figure it out. And maybe that's yeah. why I went all in on Grand Valley because when I try to do too many things at once, it doesn't tend to work out. So like if I focus on one thing, yeah. like tends to be better for me. Just, um, yeah. So I was taking these online classes. I was at this full-time job, but like that wasn't working. So let me take a step back from work and still do the online classes. So still had no idea of PA at this point in time was not on my radar. Mm-hmm. It just something so, had to change. Yeah. So I transferred to a different hospital within the same organization and working this part-time job that I still don't really like, but at least it was a change of pace. It was a new environment. New experience. And this is where the idea of PA slowly started to bloom because I'm working closer with a group of dietitians that, you know, I just kind of start talking to figuring out their story, how they became a dietitian. Because mm-hmm. at that point, that was your next path was possibly because that's what I thought, like maybe we're going to keep yeah. continuing with that path. Yeah. But the more I started talking to these people, a really interesting pattern emerged of this is, this was just like this particular group of people I was talking to. Um, they didn't regret their decision to become dietitians, but in their careers, they all tended to feel that they hit a wall very quickly on with what they were able to do in their careers to positively impact patients and patient care to where they felt that they they were very, very limited and therefore they, were, they found themselves going through the motions very quickly in their career, mm-hmm. but there wasn't really anything else that they could do with it. Mm. So I actually found that a lot of them that I talked to told me that if they could do it again, they would have chosen something different. And so I was like, well, this is interesting. And this isn't what I wanted to hear yeah. because this is the path I thought I was going to nice choose. pep talk. But everybody I'm talking to right now, they're very, to them, the career was very mediocre. I guess at least they were honest and not yeah, like, which you know, I 
greatly appreciate. Because some people are like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we have popcorn. You know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, like we got popcorn and soda right. in the in the in the break room. It was basically it's if perfect. You, There's if, foosball tables. Yeah, like. <laughs> If you just want to coast for the next 30 years, mm-hmm. come on over the water's fine. Yeah. Kind of thing. But it was no, was it was, in it. they were like, honestly, like, we can't do much. Like, we went to school, we brought ourselves into this career, and we've hit a wall two, three years into our jobs. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of bored out of our mind, but we don't really have any options at this point. And that could change, right? Just depending on how the system is yeah, set up. You know, it, Depends on the state you work in and the facility that you like. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But so, you know, I started asking questions. Well, if knowing what you know now, if you could do it over, what would you have done? And again, oddly enough, the answer I continually got was they would have gone to PA school. And so I was like, well, I've heard of this, but never really thought about what a PA is. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. Let me start thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that led me to do some research and I was like, oh, this kind of starts to make sense. Yeah. But at that point in time, I was already thinking, but, you know, I'm taking these online classes and yeah. I'm already investing more time and money into this. Do I want to make this change right now? Because in order to make this change, I, again, have to start making some radical decisions. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. It's like full circle. It's like you think about all the degrees that you jumped into Mm -hmm. in different schools and PA is a very versatile. Yes. Which for me. Branch of what you want to do. Yeah. For me and kind of the ping pong effect that my brain has where I'll get really interested in something for a while and then I'll be like, ooh, this is also really interesting (laughs) over here. Like, can I learn about this? Yeah. And that's the cool thing about PA is that you can it's um you're trained very similarly to a doctor you're trained through a very similar medical model and they also train you as the term that they use as a generalist so that upon graduation you're actually trained to where you can go and work in any specialty that you want Mm -hmm. and even if you pick a specialty spend five years there and then you're like eh, I want to learn something new yeah you can oh that's so perfect for you is kind of great it's it's probably very freeing for you to know that the degree that you're in allows you an openness Mm -hmm. and not feeling like you signed on to this one thing right and if you don't like it you you're stuck yeah and that i think has always been one of the biggest fears i've had as a career Mm -hmm. is that i'm gonna pick something i'm gonna get into it and then i'm gonna hate it and that was always pretty paralyzing for me because i do see myself kind of doing a variety of things and being able to move around. And I could never find anything that fit that mold until I found PA. Yeah. But in order to get there at this point, it was like I knew I was going to have to go back full time because once you start reading, it's a long list Mm -hmm. that you have to go through to qualify yourself to even apply to a program. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, this is a lot. Yeah. And if I was going to do it. And you had to like leave your part-time job that's the thing like if i were to do it i was gonna have to stop working altogether because the list was so intensive and what i was gonna have to do to go back to school to ucf to be able to graduate from ucf and be qualified it was a long freaking list and (coughs) they're not easy classes to go through in your undergrad to where like you know, the chemistry sequence alone was going to take two years to go through. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I'm going to go through that, like, I need to jump all in. Yeah. And that's what we eventually decided to do was, yeah. you know, the leap from a full-time job to a part-time job was scary, but we were like, we figured that out and we were okay. Yep. And so it was like, okay, the next jump is, is for me to completely stop working and go to UCF and do this pre-med undergrad and just go for just it. Just so you can qualify to apply mm-hmm. for PA school. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like making the decision that, I mean, luckily we did it in small steps and in small increments, but yeah. they were still big moves. Yeah. But in increments and at least. Yeah. But making, at some point, you're almost just going. Like you just, yeah. you, you got to go, I'm unhappy right now. 
I got to make a change. Here's the next step. Mm-hmm. That's getting me closer. Yeah. At some point, I got to jump and go. Yeah. It was just figuring out how to take these really small steps and taking the, those small steps. Mm-hmm. Eventually, things started to make sense. But the cool thing is when, and this is kind of how we want to wrap this up, mm-hmm. is that you, even you going from your full-time job that was like really scary to leave mm-hmm. because that just meant completely unstable yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. You going from there to a part-time job mm-hmm. just to give yourself a little more time to think. Yeah. Doing that move mm-hmm. opened up the idea yeah. of PA school. Yeah, because I was so... I think at the time when I was getting to the point where I was just unhappy, I was so stressed out and so overwhelmed that I was just overwhelmed with being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't you room for any time. ideas yeah. to enter my brain on like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know, yeah. but I can't do this. That's all. That was the the cycle I was stuck with in my head is I was just so unhappy and so stressed out and so overwhelmed that I couldn't get out of that until I could break that first initial cycle. Yeah. And it's the just only way for up. me to do that was to leave my job. It's a hypnosis. I mean, yeah. it's just waking yourself up. Luckily, we have each other to kind of yeah. realize we're, we're kind of in this weird hypnosis cycle. Yeah. Um, so you, you told me like a really cool analogy. Mm-hmm. Kind of just kind of the main takeaway from this whole process of you getting into PA school. Mm-hmm. But the process started over five to six, maybe even 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting married, doing life, Mm -hmm. realizing you're at this breaking point of I'm not happy at all. Yeah. You you said this really cool analogy. Do you want to share it? Yeah, it was... I don't remember where in the journey I had heard this quote it was i was listening to a rob bell podcast Mm -hmm. and i feel like this was way back at the beginning i actually Mm -hmm. should look through my phone because i think i wrote it down in my phone and see like where that coincided with this whole process rob bell is one of our one of my favorite creative human beings out there he has a podcast he's a pretty special human i think he used (laughs) to be he used to be a pastor but left the church in grand rapids in grand rapids too he left the church and just started writing books Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. a really interesting character and his mind is brilliant yeah he's he's just brilliant to me special he's he's just one of my favorites special human um so he has a podcast and you were listening yeah and i was i was listening to his podcast and this was i think this was like so early on in the process i think i was still working trying to figure out if i wanted to go back to school but i was driving down the road Mm -hmm. i think oddly enough i feel like if I remember correctly, I feel like I was driving by UCF at the time when I was listening to this podcast. But um, there was just something that stuck out to me that felt at the time so profound. And honestly, this is how I navigated my entire way through this process Mm -hmm. because it was an extremely overwhelming process from start to finish. Um, But he said something in one of his podcasts that just jumped out at me that was basically something along the lines, and I don't remember the overarching story that he was telling. But the thing that stuck out to me was he said something along the lines of to just point your toes in the direction that you want to go. Oh, yes. Like you don't even have to take a step. You don't even need to know what your final destination is. But essentially, if you're unhappy, if you know something needs to change, if you know there's something greater that you want to do, just point your toes just to shift your body just turn yourself towards whatever this thing mm-hmm. is that you can't yet identify <coughs> just like point symbolically your toes. point your toes yeah. yeah like you don't even have to take a step yet yeah but just align yourself to where it could be possible yeah i hope this makes uh, i hope this like clicks with people because it 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 hits me a certain way because mm-hmm. A lot of times I, I feel like when people are unhappy or at least when I'm unhappy, mm-hmm. I always want an answer to like, yeah. okay, well, what's the thing? Yeah. What's the step that's going to make me happiest? Like, what's the first step I need to take? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's can, that can be overwhelming. And, right. And for your situation, you knew this, the, the thing that would make you happy, right, was PA school. But I didn't know that at the time. Right. But even if you did know it, mm-hmm. in your situation at the time, three, four years ago, mm-hmm. there was this long road to get there. Yeah. If you were immediately like, I need to get there, mm-hmm. it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I I wouldn't have done it because I think I just would have been too overwhelmed. Yeah. And at the time, you know, my version of pointing myself mm-hmm. in a direction I needed to go was it was quitting my job. Yeah. And I hadn't yet known that PA school was the path I was going to set out on. But at that point in time, the only thing that mattered was I just need to somehow <coughs> be happy again. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I knew was that this job was making me extremely unhappy. Mm -hmm. And so that initial shift for me was, I just need to point my toes, (laughs) not at this job. I I need to not walk back in this building again. I love that so much because pointing your toes in a different direction is also you waking up from that hypnosis that we were just talking about. Yeah. That in it, that's a that's an act of mm-hmm. realizing what what's happening, yeah. and that you're unhappy, and you making the decision to yeah. align yourself in another yeah. direction. Just, Whatever that means for you, right. you've at least made the first step, right? In and doing that, the first step after that, you know, I knew when I left <coughs> my first job to go to that part time job, I knew from the get go I didn't want that job. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that. But Which I, one? I'll, the part-time? The part-time job. Okay, yeah. Like, I did not want to go to work there. Sure. But it was a step. the bigger feeling was, I have got to get out of here first. Mm-hmm. And if that intermediate step is one that, like, I don't particularly want to do, at least it's better than what I'm currently doing. Mm. And that that opened up just that one step. It, it's so weird to think about I mean, how that opened up the floodgates for all of this. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's where that saying, well, the... Uh, the rest is history. Yeah. It's that just that step that mm-hmm. at the time meant nothing to us. Yeah. When we're looking back at it now, after mm-hmm. you've received an acceptance letter, yeah. you're going, holy shit. Yeah. That like, was the moment. It's like, that's why that had to happen. It had to happen like that. Yeah. I remember like my first day, like driving to my new part-time job that I knew I didn't want. Mm-hmm. I remember... <laughs> This is so pathetic and sounds so sad, but I remember driving that first day and I was crying in the car because I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I was like, this is the last thing I want to do. And you know, you're scared because it's like, I just left a place where even though I was unhappy, I was comfortable comfortable. there. I knew what to expect. I knew I didn't want to do this job, (coughs) but for some reason, something inside me told me to take it. And I just remember like driving in the car crying and I'm like, this better be worth it. Yeah. And yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. I think we should end it there. That I mean, I what a well, sorry. <laughs> Your throat. That was my throat making weird noises. I I love this conversation. I love this story, and I I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I'm gonna put it out there into the world. Me is so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just I, I'm really proud of the the work that you put in. Yeah. And the bravery that you had to you you took the yeah. honesty that we both had to like really figure out we had to sit down and like really go we can do this mm-hmm. like you can do that so like yeah. for us it's like we just hope that people who are listening to this who are in this place of just fear mm-hmm. like we all are like i'm mm-hmm. in fear right now i'm afraid yeah. right now i mean um, i got into pa school and now i'm freaking terrified <laughs> yeah now it's even more terrifying to yeah. think about i don't know i i I hope that you find some someone that can help you manage that stress, yeah. but also know that you could do it yeah. on your own. Like, yeah. it, it's not me that got you to this place. This is all you. Yeah. You know, know that you can like personally do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. We just, we hope that this can show people who are in this weird place mm-hmm. that it doesn't take a like a snap decision yeah to succeed in something yeah i mean it can 
be it's just a aligning. decade of I, figuring I, it out. I'm so glad you reminded me of that analogy of just like aligning your toes yeah. to the direction. And hopefully mm-hmm. you'll find the, the little small steps along the way, yeah. Yeah. whether it looks like you're going backwards or not. Yeah. And like you said, I think that can be so helpful because initially it feels so big. Mm-hmm. And it feels so overwhelming. And yeah. the checklist is so long. And you're yeah. just like, I'm just going to stop now because it's not worth it. Yeah. But it's like, if you just point yourself, like, yeah. you don't have to do anything yet. Just like turn towards something. And it, I don't know, for me, that that helped because I have a tendency to yeah get overwhelmed and, yeah. and look it, at everything before but, you just start we're, with step We're one. very fortunate that we were able to do that. Some people don't have... Yeah. that capability or maybe that freedom to be able to make a leap like that mm-hmm. for us it just happened to work out that way yeah uh i'm not naive to the fact that it's it's not possible for a lot of people to just make a leap or make even a small yeah. sure step mm-hmm. um but if you can make it work you know we wish you the best of luck and in, <laughs> in that and just know that you could do it and you don't have to be just like boldly brave in the whole thing yeah um and then on the next episode i want to share your story yeah one story of mine where i felt like a a little win Mm -hmm. a win in that i think it's a big win yeah i think so too and then i won't talk so much because i feel like i talked this whole time (laughs) really i thought you were great um yeah so we hope you enjoyed this episode i will end it with this really great quote um i don't know who she is um but the author of this quote is morgan harper nichols Mm. i really like this because it's basically it's basically my song (laughs) (laughs) maybe she stole it from me maybe Uh, maybe not i don't know um so here's the quote by morgan harper nichols you do not have to be fearless doing it afraid is just as brave Mm. so good i like it so true live with live with the bravery and the fear yeah and it's gonna be all right yeah we're all doing our best here yeah so thank you for listening to another episode of kitchen table convos we'll catch you on the next one bye bye